Hi there. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur at heart, running my own yoga business and building my personal brand. My goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher or fitness professional, with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching, help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students and growing your business along the way. I've been teaching for over 16 years and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics. Some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation. And other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that definitely come up when we take on the journey of a yoga teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, please visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 52. So as I'm recording this, I'm also going through uh, today and yesterday and probably a little bit tomorrow, but I'm almost done, going through the applications for my 2020 mentorship program. And if you applied, I want to thank you so much for your application. If you missed Saturday's deadline, so I'm recording this on January 14th, 2020. So this past Saturday was the deadline and you do want to apply. Maybe you checked out the offer page and you were on the fence or maybe you got the email, you know, looked at the email a couple of days late, whatever the scenario was, and you want to apply, just send me an email uh, or a direct message on Instagram and I will put you on the wait list because I'll be doing a second round of applications in July for just a six month format. I wanted to kick this uh, program off in January so that those teachers who wanted to do a full year of mentorship with me had the full year calendar year to do it in. And then in July, I'll do it as a six month format. Um, I actually am offering a six month format now as well. Um, but in July, I'll offer just the six month format. So you can always email me Karen at barebonesyoga.com or go on my DM uh, on Instagram and send me a message and I'll add you to the wait list so you don't miss out on the next go round. Now, I wanna also share a quick note that my 2020 retreat to Costa Rica is coming up in June and the deadline to get in is the beginning of March. So if you're out there and you've been thinking about signing up, but you're not sure, you only have until March, which seems like a ways away, but it's really not. And what better thing to do than to know that you have something hard-coded into your calendar that is all about a retreat and wellness and rejuvenation and healthy and fun for you. And this can be definitely something that if you're like me and you live in a cold weather climate, it can be such a mental boost to, um, to have that already booked. So the retreat is uh, in June, and I'm just going to pull out the card here just to remind myself, it's June 20th to 26th. And um, it is at the Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. There are a little less than 10 spots left. And the longer you wait to book, the other challenges, the lodging options go down. So if you're interested in going, it's best that you book this week because you're definitely going to want to get the best lodging option available at the time of your booking. This is really a combo retreat. So it's not all about training. Um, it's not all about just hanging out. It's the kind of thing where if you want to go for the week and just hang out all week, that's totally fine. 
I'll be teaching yoga classes every morning with meditation. I'll do a, a restorative practice every day before dinner. And then in between, in the afternoons, I'll be teaching an optional workshop. So if you attend and you are a teacher, there will be plenty of opportunities for you to dive into training. It'll be about anatomy. It'll be about cueing. Uh, it'll be about sequencing. <clears throat> so there'll be lots of different opportunities for you to really have a balanced experience. I know I've been to trainings where it's been completely exhausting and I never had time to do anything else except sit in lecture and learn and practice. And I did not want that to be your experience. By the same token, I know there are people out there who like to travel, like to experience wellness activities and like to add to their knowledge base. And so because my specialty is anatomy and my specialty is yoga teaching, I wanted to offer yoga to practitioners, but then also offer a little bit more of an intensive opportunity for teachers if you attend to earn some CEUs, to build your knowledge, to grow your teaching. And so there are all those opportunities available for available to you if you come to this retreat. <clears throat> so again, it's June 20th to 26th. You have to sign up by March. The longer you wait, uh, the lodging options are a little bit more restrictive because people will have the ones uh, already taken up. It is a five-star resort, guys. I want to let you know, this is not kind of a you know, kind of low budget experience. The pricing is really reasonable <clears throat> and the retreat center is five-star. You can just go on Google uh, and just Google Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort and you can read the reviews from other people who have been there and check out their Instagram page and you're going to be blown away with how beautiful this resort is in the heart of Costa Rica. So I hope you'll consider joining me for that. All you need to do is go to my website and the link to check out more is right on the homepage and the website is barebonesyoga.com. Now I also want to say if you're not in my anatomy work group on Facebook, please uh, join me there. It's a great way to get free training. I do videos there every week, post articles on yoga and anatomy, and it's, it's just a great learning tool for teachers and a really fun community of teachers all over the world. We're at almost a thousand teachers now. And to join that, just on the website, on my website, you'll see the link. So I wanna go into, for today's episode, just a little focus, actually more than a little focus, a focus on mindset. Now, before you bail thinking this isn't of interest to me, or maybe you're confused because you thought, hey, this is supposed to be a podcast for teachers. And I thought, since you specialize in anatomy, we were gonna be talking about anatomy a lot. What's going on here? I wanna encourage you to just stop for a second and hear me out. So let me kind of start out um, with a little example or a little story. Uh, I'm sure, or maybe, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes when I teach kids yoga, little kids don't know this uh, story. But if you're an adult, as you are, I'm sure, listening to this, kids wouldn't be listening to this podcast, uh, you probably know of The Wizard of Oz. And it may not have struck you, but you know at the end of The Wizard of Oz how Dorothy has this revelation that she really had the power to get home all along. And the entire story of the Wizard of Oz really was her coming home, not only physically, but coming home to an understanding, an intuition, a knowledge base, a wisdom that she had the whole time. That home was where the heart is. That home was where everything is that she loved. And she had to kind of go through the experience of doing all the things that she did in the story in order to come to that realization. And so I wanted to bring that up because this can often be our experience if we've gone through a one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, experience with a therapist or um, a, a clergy person or a counselor or a wellness counselor or even a yoga teacher in the context of uh, working with them in a mentorship experience like I'm offering to teachers. And so this idea that, you know, sometimes people think, well, if I work with a coach, they're gonna tell me what to do. And what really good coaches do is they have a way of asking certain questions, inquiry, inquiry, 
inquiry questions and reflecting back to you what you're saying so that you can come to a certain realization on your own. And this can be really powerful for people. And I know it's been really powerful for me when, when coaches have done it with me. And it's also been amazing for me to observe when I watch master coaches um, do this kind of thing with people. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go a little deeper into the example. For those of you who've been following me for a little bit, you know, back in October of last year, I invested not in yoga training, further yoga training, I invested in business training. And I've been a big, big fan of James Wedmore, who is an online entrepreneur, and he is very, very, very um, interested in and supportive of different uh, kinds of business kind of thinking that are really connected to spirituality and intuition and mindset. And if you're interested in finding out more about him, his podcast is the Mind Your Business podcast, and I'd highly recommend it. And so I invested in a three-day training out in Irvine, California, where I was with 600 entrepreneurs from all over the world. And James ran the three-day event and had a number of speakers. And we really learned not only strategic things to build our business, and because a big part of my business is connecting with people online, a lot of the techniques <clears throat> were around not just running live events, but also online strategies to share what you love, to build connections with people, uh, digital marketing of sorts. In addition to that though, <clears throat> there was a lot of coaching that was happening in this experience in the context of James and his coaches working one-on-one -on -one with people in these short coaching sessions that they did in the general conference. And so that basically meant, I know it probably sounds kind of terrifying, but um, people were, trying to think how they selected people. I think they just picked people from when they raised their hands uh, to come up on stage. And James or one of his coaches would work through a particular business challenge with the person one-on-one. -on -one. And when you watch this technique of asking inquiry questions, getting the person to really for themselves come to a clearer realization of what the problem was as they had currently defined it and what they felt capable of doing to make a positive change to affect that problem, it was amazing to see. And it was the kind of thing where I know for myself in the audience, I really knew where the coach was directing the person to go. I didn't know where it was going to end up, but I could definitely see the technique that the person was using. And I'm not sure if everybody else could see that, but I definitely could. And it's a technique that I've used with people. It's uh, a technique that I'm refining for myself in my coaching work with, with folks. But I can tell you as a coach, and that's part of what I do, as a coach, um, when I work with teachers and they come to a realization on their own as a result of inquiry questions that I pose to them, it is so rewarding to see. And I've been on the other side of it and I've been so grateful to coaches that I've worked with when I've come to a realization that really just like Dorothy was there all along, but I was so caught up in my own garbage that I couldn't even see it. And this is the kind of thing guys that will absolutely get in the way of your teaching. And so if you're listening to this and you're not a yoga teacher, all of this applies to you anyway just as it applies to yoga teachers. And I think in addition, it applies even more to yoga teachers or anyone who's in a career on a business track where you need to be comfortable in your own skin. You need to be able to stand up and speak to people without a filter. And I don't mean that means you're going to just say whatever's on your mind. What I mean is that you're going to say things in a way where you're not constrained by your ego, where you're not saying things through that, that kind of haze of the ego. You're really speaking in an authentic way. And when you do that, I know for me, what I have found um, is that when I do that, if I am able to kind of step outside myself as I'm doing it, or even in the moments after, 
I almost feel this powerful force move through my body. And I know that sounds really weird. And I don't say it to kind of sound holier than thou, but it's the kind of thing that everything really needs to be aligned for it to happen. I need to feel good in my body. I need to feel comfortable in the environment. I need to feel confident. I need to feel like I can speak clearly and in a way that is only to help, right? There's no ulterior motive. It is all 100% in being of service. And there have been, you know, a handful, especially recently of experiences where I have come to the end of teaching a class and things came up I didn't expect, sequences I offered I didn't pre-plan, things I said that just came to me spontaneously. And I'll find myself when people are in Shavasana, having that moment where I kind of step outside myself and I am looking at myself like, God, who is that person? Because I can tell you that for many, many years, I was plagued with fear and anxiety and self-critical thoughts uh, about my teaching. And the work that I've done with people like James Wedmore, a neuroscience coach, which I'll tell you more about in this episode, and um, really myself, <laughs> really a lot of working with myself, uh, with these other people as the catalysts, uh, and a lot of inner work. I know people, that's kind of an overused term right now, but I absolutely can can say with no hesitation, I have done a shit ton of personal work over the past 24 months, two years. And I have come out the other side of it, really a different person. And, you know, even as I'm sitting here at my desk in my apartment in Boston, having this conversation with you all, this is not scripted. This is 100% just coming from me. And this would not have happened two years ago like this. It would have been kind of, you know, staccato, kind of broken up, kind of, you know, hesitating, halting, but it's just kind of like the faucet is on. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with giving up the fear of being judged. And while that's not one of the specific things I'll be talking about today, I'll just kind of say that is absolutely something that can be a huge barrier for you, whether you're a yoga teacher, especially if you're a yoga teacher or, you know, anything that you're doing. When we're so concerned with what other people think about us, it absolutely is a barrier to us being our most authentic self. So I want you to think about here um, a time when you wanted something in your life or perhaps a way of being that you wish to embody and you felt stuck and no amount of thinking would make it happen. And, you know, it's in these times that we often can benefit from coaching or from even just techniques to kind of coach ourselves out of being stuck. And that's part of what I talked about before is that although I worked with uh, a couple of coaches specifically, um, it was really through a lot of the self-directed work that I did once those coaches brought things to the surface for me that I was able to, you know, really kind of move past some of these things I'm going to be talking about today. So, you know, and, and I know this is definitely part of what you know, teachers in particular are experiencing. And that's, of course, the, the group that I have the most interaction with. And, you know, along those lines, in fact, just yesterday, I got two emails from two different teachers, and they both described themselves as being in a state of overwhelm, right? I'm so overwhelmed. And I hear you, this is a common experience that, you know, and it's one that often comes with these self-limiting beliefs that I've talked about you know, on this episode a few minutes ago. And it's also coming from stories that we tell ourselves. Now, sometimes I get emails from teachers or hear from them when I do a training, you know, I just can't learn anatomy. I'm not science-minded. Or they might say something like, I took anatomy in my original training, but the information, it just doesn't stick. You know, I hear that a lot too. And ultimately that's a story we tell ourselves, right? Now I will say, you know, it can be a challenge when you take a training and the anatomy is not presented 
clearly or presented well or presented by someone who really understands it. So that is a real challenge. Um, at the end of the day, though, just that identity that you can have for yourself that I can't learn it is sometimes really just a belief, a self-limiting belief. It's not based in truth. You know, I also hear from teachers who are finding that teaching is so different than they expected, or they've been paralyzed by fear when it comes to teaching. So they finished their 200-hour training and they just didn't start teaching. Sometimes I talk to teachers who are uncomfortable speaking in front of people and on and on. And, you know, hey, <laughs> it's the stuff of life. These are the things we have to work through if we want to move forward and live our best life. Now, I know that term is rather overused these days. So if you just kind of snickered, <laughs> let's say it this way. These are the challenges that if we don't work through them, we will be living short of our fullest potential. So there. Is that better? You know, I think ultimately that's really what we're going for. So today I'm going to be reviewing some of these themes. Now, all this week, the week of January 13th, 2020, I've been doing quick preview videos on each of these topics on my Instagram stories, essentially my Instagram live. And so if you're listening this week, you can catch those to supplement the themes in this episode. And I wanted to expand on this though in this episode, because I actually think a podcast with its, you know, audio only format is the best for these kinds of conversations where you're not really distracted by looking at me or a video, what space am I sitting in looking at, you know, what's behind me, that kind of thing. You know, ideally you'd be listening to this in a quiet place one where there are no distractions, and maybe even a place where you can have a journal in front of you to jot down some thoughts. So I want to start out, there are going to be one, two, three, four, five, five themes, okay? And these are all, you know, kind of self-inquiry questions or, or principles um, that you can use as a springboard to doing a little self-coaching. So this entire episode, you know, I called it um, coach yourself to a more powerful mindset. And so that's really what the overarching theme is here. And this is, you know, of course, it's still early in January. So we're still kind of riding that, you know, wave of positive energy. It's the new year and, and, and turning over a new leaf and new year's resolutions and, and all that. So this is a really perfect time to have this conversation with yourself. And I also wanted to focus on this because I'm kind of, you know, kind of riding the excitement of heading into my mentorship program with the first of four teachers I am going to be selecting for the mentorship program. And, you know, that mentorship program is really uh, a dual focus. It's not only tactical support for teachers around anatomy knowledge, business development, cues, teaching techniques, sequencing, but it's also if they're interested in looking for this uh, or as it comes up, coaching around these kinds of ideas to help them build their business, grow as a person, all of it is connected, right? All of it's connected. So the first theme is begin with the end in mind. And this is a central theme at the beginning of one of the landmark books on uh, personal development called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this is written by Stephen Covey. It's one of my most favorite books, probably one of the first personal development books I bought. I pulled it out of my bookshelf the other day and the pages are worn. It's kind of, the pages are kind of yellowed. I have tons of notes in there. You know, I love books like this that you keep for your whole life, that you can pull them out and you can see your handwriting from 10, 20, 25, 30 years ago even, and the notes you wrote in the margin and just have those memories of like where you were at that point in time. And when I pull out this book, this is exactly what this book is like for me. And if you've never read it, I would highly recommend it. It's one of those timeless books on personal development, time management, uh, business in a way, business development. Um, and this idea of beginning with the end in mind really is based on his uh, proposal, his theory, hypothesis, that if we are 
living, let's just say living rather than just focus on business development, if we're living in a way where we don't have a sense of where we want to go, then we're kind of like a cork in the ocean and our actions from day to day, minute to minute, month to month, year to year, whatever quantity you want to look at it from are really just at the whim of whatever is happening in that moment. There's really not a lot of intentionality behind what we do. And there's really not a lot of purpose, right? We're just kind of existing. And so what Begin With The End In Mind really asks us to do is take some time and think about where do we want to go, right? And if the idea of in your life, you know, where do you want to go in your life is too big of a scope, narrow it down, right? Where do you want to go in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, one year? right? I mean, it's a classic interview question. Where do you see yourself in a year, in three years, in five years? So maybe think in those increments. Um, and you can think about it from a variety of perspectives. You can think about it if you're a yoga teacher in terms of your teaching career, your teaching development. If you are in a different kind of business, think of it in relationship to that in your personal relationships, in your relationship with money, in your financial status. I mean, there's so many different ways you can think about it in regards to your health and wellness, right? So lots of different kind of lenses we can look at this question through. And so the idea is, if you take some time to ask yourself this question, begin with the end in mind, you can literally sit and do some visualization around seeing yourself in the future. And this can be really, really powerful because it's one thing to begin with the end in mind and write down what you, know, what you want to achieve, what you see as the end game, but it's another thing to feel it in your body. And this is so important, that whole somatic side, sensation-based side of any experience that you can imagine for yourself. So if you envision yourself teaching yoga to big classes and running workshops that are sold out and hosting retreats that are full and in exotic places, all this kind of stuff, what if you close your eyes and you think about that? How would you feel? What would you say? What would you be doing? What would you be wearing? Who would be around you? Where would it be? What would be you know, the sensation on your skin, in your stomach, all this kind of stuff so that it really becomes visceral for you. And this is such a huge part. You know, when you think about professional athletes and amazing achievements they've made, in almost every interview, they can call back on a time when they were younger and they had not really the premonition, but they had the intention for that outcome. I saw myself winning an Olympic gold. I saw myself winning the world rec, beating the world record, you know, whatever it is. I saw myself hitting that home run, winning the world series, whatever sports metaphor or scenario you want to think about many times, these, these people that we look at as legends in sport can call back to a time when they were kids and they had that poster on their wall, that thing they cut out of a magazine or a newspaper, they put it up on their wall as a young child and that became their beacon. That became their end in mind. That was their visual reminder to what the end game was for them. And they thought about it every day. They felt it in their body. They closed their eyes. They visualized it. You know, when they talk to marathon runners, one of the powerful things that sports psychologists will do with marathon runners and other athletes is have them literally visualize themselves going through the steps of what they need to do. So running, running at five miles, 10 miles, you know, those mile markers, crossing the finish line, keeping their head up, looking ahead, opening through the front line of their body, all of that. So literally taking themselves through it in a visualization uh, mode as a way to start to get the body and mind primed as to what they want to happen in real life. And so I highly, highly suggest that you take some time, carve out some time frames that feel doable to you and start to jot down in your journal the different categories. Maybe you'll do it from an overall perspective. Maybe you'll do it in relationship to your teaching or whatever career you're in, your finances, any of those topics that I threw out before. 
So the next one is what stories and beliefs do you need to let go of and release? And I want to start out this one with a little bit of a story myself. So a year and a half ago, I hired a personal coach who, uh, whose specialty was neuroscience. And neuroscience is a carve out uh, from, of course, the broader science. It's the science of the mind, the nervous system. And neuroscience coaches um, have a really great ability to look at behavior through the lens of the brain and the brain's function. And, you know, it's a little bit different than if you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist or a social worker, where they're not necessarily looking at your behaviors primarily through the lens of the nervous system and the brain. Um, they're looking at it more, you know, from the perspective of tell me about your life, tell me about your upbringing, you know, kind of the historical uh, patterns in your life and your stories uh, in terms of uh, your life. But when you work with a neuroscience coach, they're really looking at behaviors that you have that and relating them to brain functions as a way to educate you about how to tap into feelings that you're having and kind of supersede those reactions with more positive ones. And so when I began working with the neuroscience coach in our first session over the phone, all our sessions were over the phone, what she said to me was that age old question of tell me about yourself. And so I began to tell her about myself in the context of my teaching career. And that was really why I had gone to her because I was looking for some help in building my business. And I was feeling there were a lot of obstacles. And so she might've even asked me, tell me about the obstacles or what obstacles do you see as being in the way of the success you wanna achieve, right? A good, healthy, open-ended question where I could take it in a million different directions. And when I ended up saying, uh, to her were a number of different things that I felt were blocking my success. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but what I was really saying were a number of excuses. They had nothing to do with me. They had nothing to do with my behavior. They had nothing to do with my actions. All they were were things about other people this person is doing something that I want to do, but this person was on the cover of yoga journal. So therefore she got a lot of publicity. So that's why she's doing X, Y, Z. And I can't, this one is doing this. And yet she has a relationship with this teacher who's really popular. So that's why she's able to do that. That's something I'd like to do, but I don't have a relationship with that teacher. So therefore I can't. I mean, it went on like this for about five or six minutes. And then she basically said, you need to stop this, Karen. I'm not here to listen to your excuses. If you want to start to take responsibility for yourself, we can continue. If not, there's no sense in us continuing. And I, I hate to say it. I mean, I don't hate to say it because I, I, I'm not ashamed to say it. I was at the time, but I started to cry. And here I was, a 50-ish year old woman crying on the phone, didn't even, wasn't even in the same room with her. But with whatever she said, which I was paraphrasing there, but that was the, the gist of it. She really stripped me in that moment of something that I had been holding onto for years as the reason why I couldn't do this, or I wasn't successful in that, or I wasn't achieving this goal. And in her objective assessment of how I was coming across, she basically took away from me a crutch that I had been holding onto for so long. And then I was there sitting there thinking, well, then what is the problem? And I was forced to face the problem and it was me, right? It was my fear of doing it for fear of rejection, my fear of starting that, of hosting that retreat and putting it out there that no one would sign up, my fear of um, offering this or offering that because no one would come or whatever it was. Right. But at the heart of all of it, whatever the details were, but at the heart of all of it, it was really being afraid. And so all those excuses were just a big story and actually not just one big story, a lot of little stories. And once I kind of stepped back from my emotional reaction to what she said, I had that kind of Dorothy Wizard of Oz aha moment where I realized like, oh my God, 
this is absolutely what I have been doing for years. And what a gift this woman has just given me that she has allowed me to see this. And so then I got like super excited. And after our session ended, I called my parents and I called my boyfriend and I've been with him for, you know, a long time, more than 10 years. And I was like, you know, how come you never told me about this, my, about this, you know, that I was doing this, that I was telling all these stories and making all these excuses. And can you believe, you know, what this woman helped me realize? And he said to me, he said, you know, of course you've been doing this. Of course I know you've been doing this. It's just that, you know, I've been hearing it for years and I could tell that you were just really attached to these stories. And I, I didn't want to burst your bubble and, you know, tell you it was really you. And then when I talked to my parents about it, even though I didn't put them on the spot as much as I did with him, I realized in talking to them and in thinking back on my conversations with them, that it really was their love for me as a mother and father that got in the way of them being really objective. And, you know, when I think back to those conversations, I think about my mother saying things like, oh, I understand. And wow, that's really too bad. And so that's really what mothers and fathers do. It's, it's going to be really hard for them to be objective, which is why it's so helpful to work with a coach and because that person is going to be objective with you and really going to be able to um, clearly see a lot of these you know, machinations that your brain goes through in order to justify things in its ego-centered mind, instead of seeing things clearly from kind of a heart, heart-based way, or, a, or maybe not even a heart-based way, just more of an objective way, right? A more clear way. And so these kinds of things can be stories, they can be self-limiting beliefs. So the examples I gave before of I, you know, I can't learn anatomy, I'm not science-minded, I can't talk in front of large groups, I get really nervous, I'm the kind of person who I'm not good with money, whatever it is. All these things, just stories that we tell ourselves or beliefs that we hold, that if we really sit down and think about them, especially with the beliefs, we can start to track back as to where did these come from? Was it something that we were raised, in most cases, raised to think? Because maybe the person that raised us had these self-limiting beliefs too, and they just passed them on to us. Or maybe it was something where we tried something and it didn't go as we expected. So we just, from that one experience, took to heart that, well, we're not athletic or, well, I'm not you know, able to, um, you know, manage my money well, or, oh, I'm not able to save or whatever it is. So sometimes we kind of dip our toe in the water. We feel that it's cold. And then we just decide that all water is cold. I'll never be able to, you know, jump in the lake or whatever. You get the, get the idea. So what I want you to do now for your journaling exercise is start to write down what self-limiting beliefs you have about yourself and what stories you tell yourself. And if you can't think of anything, I want you to talk to a friend, someone who's known you for a number of years and ask them what they think, because I almost guarantee you, they will tell you. And this can start, if you're willing to do this, this is a little scary, but this can really start to uncover some of these things that are getting in the way of your success, of your, like I said before, you know, um, living in your fullest potential. Okay, so that's number two. So number three, number three is what is the cost to you to keep things as they are? Oh God, this is, this is one that, you know, when a coach asks you this in one way or another, this one will stop you in your tracks because let's face it, you know, it is hard to change right? Ask anybody who's tried to quit smoking or lose 10 pounds or take up an exercise, uh, um, you know, habit when, when they've never exercised or someone who's had a heart attack and now needs to change their diet. You know, it's really hard to make change. And so I think the heart attack example is a great one because, you know, there's a perfect example of, you know, what's the cost? Well, the cost is that you'll die right? If you don't make changes in your diet after you have some kind of cardiac event of significance, you could die. 
And so, but still there are people that it's, it's just too hard. And so they continue with their bad eating habits and then things escalate and, and, and they pass away. And so of course that's an extreme example, but in a way it's almost the lower extreme scenarios that become more of a problem because it's kind of like slow death, right? Like, let's just take me, for example, if I had never come to the realizations I came to through my work with a personal coach, which came from me getting to a point where I knew I could not make the progress I wanted to make in my business alone. I knew I couldn't, and I didn't quite know at the time what the problem was, but I knew that a neuroscience coach was a good risk for me to take. It was a good investment of money for me to make to work towards changing things in a positive way. I wasn't exactly sure what was going to happen, but I felt more confident than not that on the other side of it, I would be a different and better person. And if anything, I was willing to take the chance because I knew that if I did nothing or continued to do things as I was doing them by myself, things weren't going to change. You know, there's that famous saying, Albert Einstein, the definition of idiocy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where you really need to be honest with yourself in asking yourself, what is it really costing me to not make a change, right? And, and even in a small way, I, you know, I, I hear this as an objection from teachers when they're interested in something that I'm offering. And then when I talk to them in follow-up, they, uh, they start to hesitate because of the financial investment and the time commitment. And sometimes these things are not even significant. It could be something that's under $100 and probably in terms of a time uh, investment from them is less than two or three hours. And so, you know, my question in that moment, if the person's willing to engage in a back and forth is, is to say, well, what is the cost to you to keep things as they are? Because think about it, guys, if you reach out to anyone who's offering something in the realm of personal development or your education in whatever area you're in, if you at least reached out and looked at that as a potential opportunity for yourself, it had to be because something was calling you to do that. And short of like a really significant true blue logistical problem that would make it impossible for you to do, there really isn't much reason for you not to pursue that, except that you're basically willing to keep things as they are. And I mean, maybe this is coming across as a little bit of, you know, a harsh statement or a little bit of tough love. And I'm definitely not saying it as a way to try to you know, trick you into investing in my products and programs. I'm just saying, number one, because I've been there <laughs> and I've done that. And number two, you always have to keep in mind that doing nothing has a cost, right? Has a cost. Do We always think only of the doing the something as having the cost because we see the thing and many times it has a price tag, right? It cost me a couple thousand dollars to work with that neuroscience coach. And when I initially looked at her rates, I was like, mm, I hesitated a little bit, but I knew at that point, if I kept doing things the way I was doing them, I wasn't gonna move forward. So for me, it was an investment that I could justify because I knew doing the same thing myself was not getting me where I needed to go in my business. So again, just, just sit in your, with your journal, ask yourself, write down the answers, what's it costing me to keep things as they are in X part of my life. Like you're probably hearing this through the filter of a particular part in your life. And remember, cost is not just money. So it's costing me my health. It's costing me my time. It's costing me time that I'm doing X, Y, Z instead of doing ABC. It's costing me my mental health. You know, I mean, even I've had a scenario recently where people are supporting someone that I know who has recently lost somebody close to them. 
And there's a cost all around for that on everyone. And this is, you know, oftentimes the side effect of, of something happening to someone and you want to help them out. There comes a point where you need to set up other services so that that person can be supported in a way that's not taxing all of the support system of that person. You know, even just the idea of when you get on a plane and they say, if you're traveling with a child, put your oxygen mask on first so that you can better support the child you're traveling with, right? You need to take care of yourself. And taking care of yourself means keeping an eye out for what are things costing you in ways outside of money. Although money may be part of it, right? It could be part of it. So something to think about there. Uh, so two more. So the next one is, what tools do you need to help you reach your goals? And, you know, this, of course, my example, the neuroscience coach, when I made a decision last year to invest in that um, three-day training with James Wedmore in, in California, all told, that was probably about, I don't know, three, maybe five, five grand. Um, to go to the conference, you had to invest in the online program. The online program is a, uh, a tool that you can use ongoing. You'll always have access to it to support your business. It has so many different resources and videos and downloads and techniques. It's constantly updated. It's very much like the online learning program that I have for yoga teachers to learn anatomy in terms of its format. So I knew investing in the tool would give me admittance to the event, but then I had to pay for my flight and I had to pay for my hotel. So between investing in the online program, going to the event, I mean, all together it was probably about $5,000. And so that was something that I was going to definitely do in lieu of a yoga training. I, I wasn't going to spend money on yoga training last year and personal development slash business development. But I knew, I knew that the experience would be life-changing. I didn't exactly know how, but I knew from a long-standing relationship of building a connection with James Wedmore by listening to his podcast, by, you know, investing in some lower-priced tools that he offered, I knew that it was a really good opportunity. And so many of you out there that are listening to this podcast, maybe that's you. Maybe you've been listening to my podcast for a while. Maybe you've bought um, one of my online learning tools for teachers that have been lower priced. And maybe you're kind of out there thinking, you know, this person really resonates with me. And so other things that I offer to you at some point in the future, you may say, you know what, I'm ready to take that leap. You know, that's a tool that I want to invest in that I know is going to take me to the next level in, in my personal development and that kind of thing. So just take some time to think about what are the tools that um, you need to help you reach your goals. Is it connecting with a mentor? Is it doing one-on-one -on -one coaching? Is it um, investing in some kind of online learning tool? Is it hiring someone to work with you as a mentor to do face-to-face -face coaching. What, what is it? If you don't know, that's, that's something too, right? If you do know, take some time to write the steps down or the tools down. And then the last thing is, what are three things you can do in the next 60 days, right? Because when we feel stuck and overwhelmed, like I said uh, before, we really can't get unstuck unless we reframe things. And so one of the most um, powerful questions that someone asked me once when I was in that overwhelmed mode is, what do you think is possible for you today? And so when they reframed it in a way that was so short term, it relieved me of some of the burden of the overwhelm, which was coming from my sense that the problem was huge and I had just like made it this huge thing. And so what I'm asking for you is not what can you do for yourself today, but what are three things you can do in the next 60 days as a basis of all of what you've just written down, what you've journaled, all this conversation that we've had, things that have come up for you. If you could identify three things you could do in the next 60 days 
to change your circumstance for the better, what would those three things be? And I highly encourage you to write them down. Maybe you wanna give those three tasks to someone else to let them know about it so they can hold you accountable. Maybe that doesn't feel good to you, so don't do it. Maybe you write it on a post-it note, you put it in your bathroom on your, on your mirror there so you see it every day as a reminder. Whatever you need to do, um, do it. Because that is, from a self-coaching perspective, one of the techniques you can use to move forward. And if you really feel after 60 days that you were unable to follow through on any of those things, that is for sure a sign that you need to get outside help. And that might just be in the form of a mentor or a neuroscience coach or a therapist or a psychotherapist, a clergyman, a physician, social worker, lots of different, you know, support group, Facebook group. There's lots of different things you can, you can access. So I hope this has been uh, helpful. You know, this, you know, again, is in the spirit of personal growth and development, helping us reach our, our highest potential. For teachers, it's a way for us to build clarity around who we are, how we're operating in the world, so that when we stand in front of a group of people and teach them yoga, we can do it with clarity and in an authentic way and really in a way that is 100% free of ego and really just there to be of service. Now, before we wrap up, I wanna ask you, if you really enjoy the podcast, would you be willing to write me a review? Um, on the one hand, I really don't love asking for reviews. I'd rather you just do them spontaneously. The way iTunes works though, in terms of getting the word out about podcasts is the more uh, reviews that people write, the more push they'll give them. So I would certainly love if you'd write a review on iTunes specifically. It's a great way for me to get some visibility for the podcast, which at the end of the day, I would love to happen organically, um, but I'm not um, uncomfortable asking you if you are genuinely loving this podcast, just take a minute, write a review on iTunes. You can do it right on your phone and that'll kind of get it a little more visibility. And the other thing is, like I said at the beginning, if you're listening to this and you're a yoga teacher and you're thinking, wow, I really think I'd like to work with Karen as a mentor, even though the application period is closed for the January enrollees, I'm going to reopen it uh, again for the last six months of this year in June. So send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com and tell me that you wanna be on the wait list and I will put you on the wait list and notify you in June when I'm taking applications again for the last six months of 2020. So I wanna thank you so much for listening today. I really, really appreciate your time. I wish you all the best in this coming year, positive energy and just so much, so much success with whatever you wrote down today and just finding uh, a way to live to your fullest potential. Until next time, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you're one of the first ones to know when the next episode comes out. Thanks for listening. Namaste.